the service. But if you have a Bible, uh, open it to Galatians chapter 5. If you don't have one, there may be one under the seat uh, in front of you or the row in front of you. You can grab one of those and follow along with us this morning. Turn them to Galatians chapter 5. We are right in the midst of our Walking in the Spirit uh, sermon series. And uh, the goal of this series, as we have committed from the start, was to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and allow Him to yield the fruit of the Spirit in our everyday lives. So that means wherever we are, wherever we go, we are exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. We are yielding to the power of God or the power of the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to produce it. We cannot produce this fruit, but God can. God does this through the Holy Spirit. And we must yield to that. And the first two messages, we focused on what it means to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When we are saved, we get the Spirit of God, but our flesh does not fully die. We still have the lust of the flesh that we must deal with, and how we deal with that is learning how to operate or walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Some people think, well, when I become a Christian, all my problems and trials is going to go away. Well, how is that working out for you? All right, let me tell you, it doesn't work like that. You're going to have problems, you're going to have trials, you're, you're going to go through cer certain things, and this uh, yielding to the Spirit does not automatically happen. We must choose to surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. We must yield to it. Uh, let me put it this way, maybe in, our common, uh, in today's common terms, we have a new boss, right? Uh, we ran our life, had our flesh, did our own desires, but now we have a new boss, the, the Spirit of God is in us. He is our boss, and He tells us what to do, and we must yield to what the boss tells us to do. We, we must do this. Someone asked me the other day if I wake up bossy every morning. I told him no. I let her sleep late. But anyways, but that one's going to cost me later, all right? <laughs> Talking about killing the Spirit. Wow, that was tough, huh? Galatians 2.20 tells us this, though. Paul writes in another place, he says, I, have I am crucified with Christ, and it is, I, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life which now I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the key right there. He is saved. The power of Christ is now in you. You crucify the flesh and you let the Spirit of Christ live through you supernaturally. He gives you the ability to be able to overcome the flesh and its desires. But we have to let that happen. We have to surrender to that authority. So when someone comes into your life and say a conflict arises... They blow up at you, call you all sorts of names. You in your flesh rise up to call them some more names and then some, or maybe even take a swing at them or slap them, right? Or something like that. The lust of the flesh is to respond in anger. You must yield to the power of the Holy Spirit. You must yield to your words to Him and your actions to Him, and you will return anger or wrath with a kind word, which may turn away that wrath to be Christ-like. When you are watching a movie or consuming some sort of entertainment, and you are convicted by something you see or something they are saying, and you know you should not continue down that path because it's going to lead you to a point to where it's not going to be godly. 
and the Holy Spirit begins to convict you, but the flesh says, keep watching. It feels good. It looks good. It's, gonna, it's, it's no big deal. you got to stop and reject the flesh and yield to the Holy Spirit. And as you do that, He will produce the self-control needed in your heart to turn it off and not watch those things. And this is real life. This is how we operate in the Spirit. This is the, this is the sanctification process of being saved. Justification, saved, declared righteous before God immediately. That's what happens when you call on the name of Christ, when you believe in Him. Then sanctification begins to work in your heart. He takes who you are and makes you like Christ. That's a process that's going to happen from the day you receive Christ or trust in Him to the day you take your last breath. You're going to fight that flesh and you're going to fight those desires, but yet through the power of the Holy Spirit, He can sanctify you. And praise God, one day we will be glorified. Not only free from the power of sin, but free from the presence of sin. And that's the glorious by and by, but we're talking about the nasty now and now, right? How do, we, how do we continue down this path? How do we continue to surrender? Well, the good news is when you learn how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, the more you surrender to Him, the stronger He gets. He is not a whisper, but He comes a strong directive. He is not a second thought. He is a default thought. He is, a, he is a yielding to immediately, and as you yield to Him in moments, moments become days, days become weeks, and months become months, and all of a sudden, months become years, and all of a sudden, you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, and He, be, he begins to produce these life-changing characteristics in your life. And all of a sudden, people will look to your life and say, no matter what they go through, they always seem to have this joy that's in their life. No matter how hard it may be, they exhibit this self-control, or they are kind, or they are gentle. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's the goal, is to allow the Holy Spirit to so mark your life that the works of the flesh get less and less, and the fruit of the Spirit get more and more. Galatians 5, 22-23 gives us these nine, uh, nine fruit. Uh, we've shared this many times, and I want to just share them with you. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Three inward fruit in our hearts. We're going to start feeling this love, this joy, and this peace. Then three outward fruit. All of a sudden, you're going to be long-suffering or patient with others and things. You're going to be kind, and you're going to, be, and you're going to have goodness in your life. And then you're going to have an upward fruit with your walk with God. You are going to become faithful, and you're going to become gentle, which means uh, meek or mild or humble. And then you're going to have this self-control that keeps you on the path of God's uh, plan for your life. It's the way that it happens inward outward and upward well this morning we're going to look at the last of the three inward fruit love joy and now peace this is the final one and could you imagine your heart flowing with love joy and peace if you were to cut your heart open and to examine your heart this morning would this be what we would find would we find love would we find joy would we find peace and when you hear the word peace, what comes to your mind? 
For those that grew up in the 60s, you're already going, peace, dude, right? You got, you got the symbols, you got the signs, right? Peace, 60s and 70s, that's what peace may be in there. For others, it's a beach somewhere, all by yourself, not even your spouse there, right? You're there, the waves are crashing, everything's wonderful. You're in complete isolation from everyone and everything. For others, for those that are rednecks, it's a stand somewhere in the woods, right? Waiting for the sun to come up. And there's been some great days where you just feel like there is nothing, not a care in the world because I am out here with no cell phone coverage or nothing and I'm just sitting here in the woods waiting for the sun to come up. For others, it may be in the mountains, looking out upon the mountains and seeing the fog and the, and the, and the fog rolling in and drinking coffee. When we went to the mountain, this was for uh, Tanner, uh, he, it was on the back porch, his piece was in the hot tub out there, right? Just sitting there, chilling out, nothing to it, right? But that's what peace may be for you, but there's more to peace than just the absence of problems and trials. There is more to peace than just getting away and being isolated and forgetting the trials and tribulations of your life. Peace is available even in the midst of problems and people. You see, peace is a supernatural work of God. It is not a you know, getaway. It is a, it is a work of the Holy Spirit. And this work of the Holy Spirit begins to make you aware of the presence of God in your life, in your situations. And so you begin to trust in the Lord. And you begin to, to consider the goodness of God in your life. And next thing you know, you begin to default to the peace of God. Now, where we're going to start this morning is the, the, the default of our work of our flesh. You see, instead of peace, the work of the flesh is that we go to worry or we go to being anxious. Now, some of us, if we were to think about what it happens in our life when we get stressed, when we get that phone call or when someone slams that door, when, someone, when you get fired, uh, what is your default mode? Is it to call someone and begin to complain? Is it to uh, call and worry about it or to begin to be anxious? Well, many of us, our go-to in our flesh is worry. It is to be anxious. It is our flesh's response to problems and difficulties. And the one thing about worry that's so hard because it seems so harmless. But yet, before we really realize what's happening, many times it's way too late. It has already done its work. It kind of works under the scene. And by the time we realize it, we're not sleeping. We're not eating. Well, some of us are eating too much, right? It may work either way. Sometimes we get physically sick. Sometimes we do irrational things and our attitude and our whole well-being is not well. Have you ever heard anyone use the phrase, I am worried sick over? Oh, this morning, maybe you're worried sick over your children. Maybe you're worried sick over this war in Israel. Maybe you're worried sick over your job or worried sick over your finances. Uh, we, 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 our default in the flesh is to worry, to be anxious. Uh, in Florida, when we built our house uh, many years ago, we put in St. Augustine grass. And everyone said, yeah, you want this St. Augustine sod. It's local. I thought, well, how hard could it be to grow St. Augustine grass, right? 
Boy, did I have a time to learn for that, right? Because there's all sorts of problems when you try to grow St. Augustine grass. One of them are dollar weeds. Anybody know what dollar weeds are, right? Well, I figured out why they call them dollar weeds, because when you start seeing those, you're going to spend some dollars to get rid of them or to replace your grass, right? So me being the great, you know, caretaker that I was, when I'd see dollar weeds, I'd just put the mower down lower so it cuts them all off. And it just looks really good because it all looks like the same. But what, I did, what you don't realize is under the root system, it's beginning to spread. And it spreads like wildfire. And next thing you know, it begins to choke out the grass. And the grass begins to die. And everything that's supposed to be there begins to be choked out. That's what worry does. Worry chokes out joy and peace. And it chokes out the goodness in our life. And it goes to work in our heart. And we begin to suppress that and we don't want to deal with it. And all of a sudden it keeps us from walking in the Spirit. And all of a sudden our peace is shattered. It's gone. And and that brings us to the question, how can I have the fruit of peace in my heart? How can I keep from doing and worrying and being anxious? Well, I want to share with you from Philippians chapter 4. Last week we talked a little bit about those Paul. We're going to be there for the rest of the sermon. So if you flip over to Philippians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul wrote this uh, little letter to Philippi here, and he was writing it to these believers. And in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. So if you want to mark that or you want to write that down, we'll have the scriptures up on the screen as well. But here's what Paul has to say in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. He says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. To me, these two verses lay out perfectly how we can understand how to have the peace of God in our life. First, as I mentioned before, the desire of the flesh is to be anxious. The desire of the flesh is to worry. When troubles or trials or stress come into our life, we default to this. And and if we want to walk in the Holy Spirit, we must reject that, right? We must put away the flesh. We must crucify the flesh. And right here, he says, be anxious for what? Be anxious for nothing. So in other words, wherever you are or whatever comes in your life, there is nothing that you should be anxious or, or worry about. In the, in the Greek language, the original language that's written here, this is an imperative command. This is a command that Paul is sharing that this, act is, this is actively happening in the lives of these believers. And Paul is telling them to stop it. You are actively worrying and being anxious and you must stop. When I was a kid, my dad would tell us to cut it out. You ever heard that before? Just cut it out. My brother and I, we used to think we were so funny because we would go on vacations. And uh, we lived in Arizona before we lived in Florida. And so for some reason, now that I think about it as, an, as a parent, I don't know what my mom and dad were thinking. But instead of flying to Arizona, we decided to drive to Arizona. And so after three days there or three days back, you can only imagine the condition that my mom and dad were in with my brother and I in the back seat, right? And so we played every type of game you can play, punch buggy and all this other stuff. But every time without fail, it would always end up some sort of fight or some sort of wrestling match or being too loud. And as you do this, there was always progression to my dad's reaction, right? 
Like all of a sudden we get too much and he'd start giving us a mean look in the mirror. You ever get the mean look in the mirror from your dad? And all of a sudden we were there still messing with him. He'd keep turning around. Y'all keep that up and, and he would turn his head around. Then all of a sudden he would throw his arm back there. Anybody ever have the arm go back, right? He began to thrash that arm around trying to see whatever we could hit. And then all of a sudden, a few times, he would get over and whip it on the side of the road. And me and my brother knew we were really in trouble then. And we'd get out and give us a whipping on the side of the road. That's why I suffer now. That's why I'm confessing this to you. I suffer with respect. I suffer with honor, right? I suffer with, uh, you know, it, does, it did me good. That's what we deserved, right? We were doing something we were not supposed to be doing. And, and we, were, we were told to stop it. To cut it out. That's what the scripture is saying here. Paul's saying, I'm going to pull over the car and give you a whipping because you're in the middle of worrying. You need to cut it out. What are you doing? You're a Christian. You should not be worrying or being anxious like this. But you know, for us as Christians, we don't take worry very seriously, do we? Listen, you think about worry being a sin, and we think about sin in our life and how serious we get with other people's sins, right? We go to church, we talk about how serious sin is, we talk about repenting from sin, and most of the time it's sins that other people commit, right? But when it comes to our sin, now, that's, that's not that bad, right? Let me give you, for example, somebody comes in and says, oh man, I was up all night worrying, and we give them a hug, like, oh, that's okay, you're going to be fine, right? No, it's a sin, right? We should cut it out, right? We, should, we shouldn't just be coddling worry, Paul is telling us to get it out of your life because it will ruin your walk with the Lord. It will ruin the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Do not give worry or being anxious a free pass. you got to cut it out. you got to push it away. And I wonder this morning, how many of you are full of worry? How many of you are worrying about something in your life? Maybe you've even lost some sleep because it's something you don't have control over and you're not trusting the Lord for it. Maybe some of you are worrying about your job. You think, if I don't get this promotion, if I don't make this kind of money, if this doesn't happen, I'm so worried about my job. Or maybe it's something in your family. Maybe you're worried about something that's happening in your life right now. Maybe you're worried about the world and the wars and rumors of war and all the things that are happening. Maybe it's a child. Saying, Lord knows I have spent time worrying about my children. And listen, we got to cut it out. That's what Paul is telling us. Don't fall for that because when you fall for that, it's a work of the flesh and you'll never have peace as long as you're pursuing or allowing worry in your heart. So he tells them to cut it out, to stop it, to push it away. And that's what we are to stop doing. But then he instructs them on what to start doing. He says, do not worry about, worry about nothing, but in everything, verse 6, in everything by prayer. And supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Paul tells us to stop worrying and start praying. Praying is the positive side of beginning to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. But worry and prayer does not coexist. Prayer invites the work of the Spirit. Worry invites the work of the flesh. If you want the results of the flesh, then worry. If you want the results of the power of God, then pray. That's what Paul's telling us. They're opposites. Uh, one pastor put it this way. If you pray, then don't worry. But if you worry, then don't pray. Right? Like, so you got to do one or the other. He's saying reject the worry and begin to pray. Pray about what? Everything. Pray about all things. 
And you think about everything in our life. So many Christians worry about things because we do not take everything to God in prayer. We compartmentalize our life. We treat God like Tupperware, right? We put a little in this and a little in that and a little in this, and we say, God, that's what I'm surrendering to you. But all this other stuff, I'm not going to surrender to you. That's mine. I'm going to worry about that, right? Like, I got my career. I got my job. I got my family. When it comes to these areas, I, I don't need you to get involved. I got it. But what Paul is saying, no, everything. Everything in your life God cares about and everything you should pray about, everything, we should take it to God in prayer. I was thinking about this week. Why is it that most people do not go to God in prayer? And I've heard some people say this. Well, I don't want to bother God with the small stuff. You ever heard people say that? You know, I got thinking about that. What is small or big to God, right? Isn't it all small, right? I mean, isn't it all our things small to God? And what happens is those small things turn into big things. And before we know it, it's captured our hearts. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. That means every single care or concern in your heart, we are to take to God in prayer. We are to cast it upon the Lord. It's not your burden. Do you believe that God wants you to bring everything to him in prayer? Do you believe that God wants you to cast all your burdens upon him? And when we take the burdens to the Lord and we lay them down, we pray about them. And he's saying, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Let the power of God work in all that you have. And you think about this before we move forward our message. Let me ask you, what area have you allowed worry to manifest itself? What stranglehold have you allowed on your life? You read this in another context when it talks about worry. It talks about like a vine that grows up and begins to choke things out or to begin to, 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 to suck the life out of things. That's what worry does. It's a stranglehold. And what he's saying is turn away from that. And we need to take it to God in prayer wherever you are. Reject the desire of the flesh and begin to work in the spirit. And as you do that, look at verse 7. What happens? Look at verse 7 in Philippians 4. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God. Did you know that God has never worried about anything before? Isn't that amazing? You ever thought about that? God dwells in perfect unity. He's in control of all things at all times. He is never taken by surprise. He is never overwhelmed. He is never overwhelmed to where he gets to a point where he says, I didn't see that coming, right? He doesn't do that. He didn't say, well, what happened in the past? I don't know. What happened in the future? I don't know. No, God always says, I know. I know all things at all times. I, am, I know all things. I control all things. I allow all things or cause all things. This is the God that we serve. And you think about your life. Your life, there's nothing in your life that God doesn't know about. There's nothing in your life that God doesn't have control over. There's nothing in your life that God can't do a work in your life. And you think there's something in your past or your present or your future that God is not able to handle? That's why we don't go to God in prayer many times, because we think we can fix ourselves. But we got to get to a point where we understand that it is God and God alone who can do that. We must surrender to Him fully. And really, when you get to the heart of peace, there's one word that goes hand to hand with it, and that is trust. Peace is trusting God, regardless of what you feel, what you see, or what you hear. 
Now that's, that's hard. That's hard. You know why that's hard? Because it goes against what we think. Look what it says right here in this verse. It says it surpasses all understanding. You can't figure this out because it's not your work. It is the work of God. And when you fully trust God, regardless of what you see or what you experience or what you hear, that's when peace floods your heart. That is you saying, God, if you are there and you are who you say you are, I have nothing to worry about. And I trust you so much, I'm putting it into your hands. Listen, Paul wasn't writing this from the Hyatt. He wasn't writing, is that a fancy hotel? I've never been to a fancy hotel. He's not writing this, what, I was about to say Motel 6, but not the Motel 6. It's, he's not writing this from some, he's writing this from jail. Paul was writing this knowing that he wasn't getting out that day. He didn't care if he got out of jail. He didn't care what his circumstances are. He didn't care he had chains on his hands. You know what he cared about? He cared about that in his heart he had this peace because he knew he fully trusted God. And if God was who he says he is, he will do what he says he will do. And he fully trusted the Lord and had the peace of God in his heart. You know, Jesus tried to teach his disciples this in the Sermon on the Mount. This in the Sermon on the Mount is one of the most wonderful passages of scriptures we have in, in the Bible. And Matthew chapter 6, he gives us a sermon on the mount and part of most of it. Verse 25, he gets to this uh, subject of worry. He tells his disciples, he says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Isn't that an easy way to look at it? He says, look, I'm telling you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? He's asking them a question. He's getting to the root of their heart of what they trust in. And many of us trust in all the wrong things. He's saying, don't trust. Look, you're, you're looking to the body. You're looking to food. You're looking to what you may drink. You may be looking to the clothing you have. But don't worry about those things. He says, look at the birds of the air. He said, you see, they, they, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. He's saying, have you ever seen a bir bird build a barn? Listen, birds don't build barns. You know why? Because Jesus says their heavenly Father feeds them every day. He says, are you not more valuable than the birds? And he tells them in verse 27, he says, which of you by worry can add one cubit to his stature? Meaning, which one of, who could change the mind and plan and purpose of God for your life? Now, this verse always came in handy with my boys when they were growing up because they always wanted to be like six foot five, right? And they would always pray, Lord, make me taller, make me taller. I always tell them, you can't worry about that. However tall you are, that's what God has given. You can't add one cubit to your stature. And then he says, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. He talks about now to the flowers from the birds to the flowers. And he talks about the grass of the field. It's here today and gone tomorrow. And he says this, he says this, Oh, you of little faith, do not worry about what you shall eat, what you shall drink, or what you shall wear. For all these things, the unbelievers or the Gentiles seek for, your, seek for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That's the key. You put God first in your heart and you won't worry. You seek the Lord above anything else, and no matter what begins to seep into our heart that takes our trust away from the Lord, we got to readjust ourselves. And we got to say, no, it's God first. And if God is first, He'll add all that I need. He has always provided these things. And He tells them, You're better than the birds, and you're more valuable than the flowers. The Lord will take care of you. You say, Well, Pastor, it just doesn't make sense. Of course it doesn't. 
That's why he says it's supernatural. That's why Paul says this kind of peace surpasses all understanding. It means a more excellent way to live. Listen, in your life you can worry about all the things and try to figure everything out. And you're going to worry yourself to death. You can try to be as healthy as you want to be. And you can try to do all that you can. But at the end of the day, it's the Lord who holds all the days in your hands. You can try to have as much money as you can possibly get and try to provide a good thing for your family. But it's ultimately God who holds all the things in your life. You can try and you can worry and you can get down on that plane and you can try to figure everything out and you can try to figure out why you're in this condition or why this happened and what's going on with us or you can trust. You can trust in God. You can trust in Him. And like I said, the heart of peace is trust. It is assurance of you knowing that God is who He says He is and that He will do what He says He will do. That's what true peace is. And listen, don't think that you're going to trust in the Lord and you're going to ask for the peace of God and when you leave this place, your car is going to be paid off. It's not going to happen like that. Don't think you're going to leave this place and you won't be tempted to do something in your flesh. Don't think that you won't be tempted to worry or tempted in your family. There's going to be difficult times. There's going to be hard things in your life. There's going to be troubles and trials. Peace doesn't say God's going to take all of them away. Peace says you trust in a God regardless of what you see, hear, or experience in your life right now. And this is hard. I know it's hard. But we must trust in the Lord. And when you do that, look at the very end of verse 7 in chapter 2. It says, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. I find it interesting he would use the term guard here. This is a military term. It means to actively protect. It means when an enemy becomes to besiege, this, uh, to, to besiege the camp or besiege wherever you are, it, it actively protects or pursues or kicks away. And what he's saying here is when you have the peace of God in your life, when something comes into your heart that's going to give you stress or worry, the peace of God is going to answer the door. you got to turn it over to Him. When something happens in your marriage, you could either try to figure it out yourself and try to do it your own way, or you can let the peace of God answer the door and say, God, I'm trusting in you fully for this. And it may be difficult, and it's going to be hard, but I trust in the Lord. Maybe it's in your finances, or maybe it's in the stress, or maybe it's something in your world that's rocking you. When we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, peace stands at the door of our heart. And this morning, rather than worrying, you can pray. And when you pray, you invite the Holy Spirit to work. And when the Holy Spirit works in our heart, He produces this peace, this trust. You might be here this morning and say, well, Pastor Jed, I don't know. I've never experienced this kind of peace in my life. Listen, the peace of God only comes when you have a relationship with God. I like to tell people that you have to have peace with God before you can have the peace of God in your life. And this is what the Christian message is all about. If you want to know what the gospel is all about, this is what the Bible says. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Listen, there's every single person has this missed the mark. And we as sinners have not pleased God. And we will never please God because we can't because we're sinners. And the Bible says because of that sin, we've been separated from God. And spiritually, we are, we are dead in our trespasses and our sins. That means a sinner cannot be in the presence of a holy God. 
And that's where there is no peace with God. The Bible literally says we are enemies of God because He is holy and we are not. But yet the good news, that's why we call it the gospel. The good news is while we were yet sinners, Christ died for our sins. Listen, there is no one who deserves this. There is no one who deserves peace with God. There is no one who can say, I, I deserve this. God must give this to me. We are all sinners. We all uh, deserve wrath. And we all deserve judgment. But Christ, He stepped up and He came to this earth and He took our wrath. When you read the cross of Jesus Christ, you see the wrath of God was poured out upon Him. Literally, our judgment was put on His behalf. And on that cross, the wrath of God poured out on Jesus Christ, even to the point of separation from God and His Son, to where He cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know why? Because Jesus became sin for you and for me. He became the enemy of God. And the good news is, for you and for me, there is now a way to have peace with God. That you can trust in this Jesus Christ. You can give your life to Him. You can believe in Him. You can agree with God you're a sinner. And in your own strength and power, you cannot do it. But through the power of Christ, you can be at peace with God. And let me tell you, just like you can't earn the peace with God, you can't earn the peace of God either. Listen, just as much power as it took to raise Jesus from the dead, to resurrect your heart and your life, is the same power of the Holy Spirit that now dwells inside of you. And whatever you are faced with and whatever circumstances you are in, you cannot do it in your own power. You have to surrender to the power of the Lord. And the power of the Lord that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that will give you peace. He'll give you peace in your darkest day. He'll give you peace when your life is completely shattered. He will give you peace when you are at your end of your rope and all that's inside of you and your flesh and your worry has a stranglehold on you. All you need to do is surrender it to the Lord and say, I am fully trusting in you. And when we do that, the power of the Spirit begins to flood our heart with peace. Peace with God, knowing He is with us and the presence of God is in our life. If you have peace with God, but you're not living with the peace of God, Paul says, stop worrying. Start praying and let the power of the Holy Spirit produce peace in your heart and life, no matter where you are. Let's pray together this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we do come before you, Lord. And God, I do pray for those who are here this morning. Maybe this morning they realize, you know what, that's me. I've never had the peace of God in my life. And this morning you realize that you need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, you don't need to join a church or walk an aisle. I can't save you. Your family can't save you. This church cannot save you. But Jesus can save you. And this morning, right where you sit, you can say a prayer. You say, I don't know how to pray. Prayer is just talking to the Lord. In your heart, you can express to the, to the Lord, and with your mouth or with your heart, you can say something like this. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I know that I deserve the wrath of God, but I know, and I believe, and I trust that Jesus Christ paid that payment for my sins, and this morning, I want to be forgiven. I want to know God. I want God in my life, and this morning, as you do that, the Bible says you become born again. You make peace with God. 
And this morning, you can leave this place as a friend of God. And God will be in your heart, and he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Even on your darkest days, he will not forsake you. Or maybe you're here this morning, you are a Christian. You've been a Christian for a while. But something's got a stranglehold in your heart. It's a job. It's a family member. It's some situation that you just can't solve. And it's driving you crazy. And this worry has gripped your heart. And this anxious, uh, being anxious has really begun to destroy just your peace. And all of a sudden, you're just stressed and worried and always upset. This morning, what a great morning to come and just put it at the feet of God and say, Lord, I need your peace. I need to stop worrying. And this morning, I turn it over to you, Lord. Maybe it's a name you need to give the Lord. Maybe it's a situation. Maybe it's something in your heart that you're like, God, here it is. This is my burden. And I'm casting it upon you this morning, Lord. And I'm going to fully trust you for your peace this morning in the situation. I can promise you that situation may not change immediately, but your heart can. Your heart can this morning. Your heart can be flooded with the peace of God, the fruit of the Holy Spirit this morning when you yield that to him. And this morning, maybe right where you sit, or if you want to come up front, or maybe even with your spouse, you want to grab their hand and say, we need to pray about this. And let's pray that God will give us this peace because we desperately need it this morning. And whatever it may be, we're going to have a few minutes, and I'm going to uh, pray, and I just encourage you to keep your heads bowed and your, your eyes closed and just seek the Lord and say, God, here's my heart. I'm bringing my burdens to you. Speak to me this morning, Lord, and I will be willing and obedient to however or whatever you're calling me to do this morning. We're going to have a time of invitation where this song's going to play. And I just encourage you to continue to seek the Lord for a few minutes this morning. In Jesus' name.